Good afternoon. It's wonderful to be back with you, to be here with you. I've got to grab my Bible. I was kind of in, the, in that song singing it and staring off in space and forgot my Bible. Just the Bible. If you have a Bible, I'd ask you to turn to James, the fourth chapter. I want to study a section here out of James with you for just a minute and kind of look at some things here. I said James 4, James chapter 2. I'll wake up here in a second. James chapter 2, the first 13 verses, is really what I want to look at here with you. I want to thank the congregation for the invitation to allow my family to be here and be with you today. I have enjoyed the visiting very much that I got to do. Didn't get to visit with everybody, but did get to visit with some and certainly enjoyed the meal. And, and just the time to be here and be worshiping with you was certainly a great blessing to myself and my family. Thank you so much. And Certainly pray that the things that, that we've been able to uh, study with you from God's Word have been a blessing to you, been strengthening to you. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man of vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that, hath, that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seat? Do not, do they, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, "Do not commit adultery," said also, "Do not commit." Or pardon me, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet thou killest, thou art become transgressors of the law. So speak ye, and so do ye, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. James here, in just a second, is, is that passage that we read. It's a little bit later is that passage we read this morning about hearing and doing what it is that God has called us to do. Not just to hear what God says, but to be a doer of that. Before he gets into that section, he begins with this idea of not being partial and showing respect of persons. And this is something, as I began to study this, that really kind of jumped out at me. And there's a passage, <coughs> pardon me, a passage over in the book of Galatians that really made me take a, a second look at what James has to say about that. And this passage here has to deal with Paul and Peter dealing with the situation at Antioch. The Bible says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood in the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which are the circumcision. And other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Paul's talking about a situation here where he and Barnabas are working with the Gentiles and, and Peter comes in and is working there with them. And as long as it's just those people, Peter's eating with the Gentiles, partaking with them. But all of a sudden, some from James, the church at Jerusalem, these Jews come in and Peter suddenly separates himself from the Gentiles and will no longer eat with them. And, and so bad was this situation, he says, that even Barnabas got caught up 
in this favoritism, this dissimulation. Now stop and think what you know about Barnabas from the Bible. He's the son of encouragement. He's the one that we read about that he went and got Paul and, and introduced him to the rest of the apostles. Peter's the one that tried to soothe the situation between Paul and John Mark when there was a falling out between those two. Peter's, or pardon me, not Peter, Barnabas is this son of encouragement, this person that's always that we would think of as positive, yet this situation got so bad, this favoritism, respect of persons, even Barnabas got caught up in it. And as James talks about this in that we just read, it calls this to mind, and, and I think it shows an emphasis that this is a situation, this is a topic that any of us at any time, if we're not careful, can fall to. Where we begin to be the kind of people that, as James says, we begin to show this partiality. That we begin to treat people differently based on who they are, based on what they can do for us. Now, not all partiality is completely and totally wrong. There is a way that we're to prefer one another. Romans chapter 12 talks about that when it says, Be kindly affection one to another in brotherly love, or with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. That we're to prefer each other and give preference that if I have to choose between spending my time with the world or spending my time with members of God's family, that that's what I ought to prefer. I ought to show that level of partiality. But what James is dealing with here in the second chapter has nothing to do with uh, favoring people because they're members of the Lord's body, but rather choosing people and favoring people or deferring to people because of superficial differences. And usually it's based off of what I think that person can do for me. If I don't think a person can do very much for me or is going to be in some way beneficial to me, I'm more tempted to be partial and reject them versus the person I think can help me and advance my cause, whatever that is in some way. I'm going to give more preferential treatment, better treatment to them. And James is warning us, saying, listen... We need to be careful that we're not those kind of people. And he begins the whole chapter here with what I think is the standard that he wants to grab our attention with. Notice, if you will, James chapter 2 and verse 1. This is the standard that he says when he says, Brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. He doesn't say, don't have faith in Jesus with partiality. He says, don't try to mix the faith of Jesus with partiality. In other words, he's pointing to Jesus here, not as the object of my faith, but as the example of my faith. That my faith needs to be like Jesus' faith. And I can't call myself a Christian, I can't call myself a follower of Jesus, if I'm going to try to have his faith and mix into that partiality. That's not the faith of Jesus Christ. He had a faith that I need to have. And I can't have partiality and the faith of Jesus. Stop and consider, if you will, what the faith of Jesus looks like. Part of what Jesus knew was this passage that was referenced at the Lord's Supper this morning, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the faith of Jesus that He knew that God loved the world. So what person is there in this world that God loves more than the other? Or maybe we could ask it another way. Is there a person in this world that God does not love? 
a person living today that God does. Does God love the long-time faithful member of the church more than He loves the person that comes in at the last moment? Well, the, the parable of the workers or the parable of the vineyard told there in the book of Matthew chapter 20 would say, no, God's going to reward the one that comes in just the same, uh, comes in at the last hour just the same as the one that's been long-term faithful. Well, maybe God loves the person whose life has been basically morally good. They were born and raised in the church is the language we use. Maybe He loves them more than the most vile sinner that spent the majority of their life rebelling against God and living in abject rebellion, raising their fist against it. Well, you know, 1 Corinthians 6 says no when he begins to list all these grievous sins and says such were some of you. The reality is, is that God loves everybody. And when He says God loves... For God so loved the world, that includes every single person in the world. Consider, if you will, what he says in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Here is the faith of Jesus Christ. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. That's really what it means when the Bible tells us God loved the world and that He wants people to be saved, every last one of them. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be people that reject that offer. That doesn't mean there's not going to be people that stand before God as guilty. That's not the question. The question is, does God love them and does God want to see them be saved? And the resounding answer is, Every single human being that's alive at this very moment, every single person you know, God loves and wants to see their salvation. There's not anybody in your life that you personally know or anybody that you can think of that you've heard of through TV or radio or whatever that God's looking at going, I can't wait to send that person to hell. That's not the love of God. And that's not the faith of Jesus Christ. Yet when I began to treat people with a degree of partiality, I'm not having the faith of Jesus. Again, it's not the faith in Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus that my life, my faith reflects His. That begins to show how I view this world and how I view other people. Really, partiality shows my attitude about what I really believe. The faith of Christ is exactly what I need to be striving for. And what I want to cover with you quickly this afternoon, I want to jump ahead a couple of passages here, if I can get to it. Here you go. What I want to cover with you is a couple of things that what is revealed about me and my heart when I behave as a person with partiality. You know, the fact of being partial, what we just read there, the Bible tells us very clearly, shows that I have sin in me. That He said, I'm guilty of sin. And he compared it to being guilty of the entire law. But I want us to notice why there's such a great problem, because it reveals my heart, it reveals attitudes about that I have, and it shows a great lacking in my faith as a Christian. First of all, respect of persons or partiality reveals who my heart or what my heart, what's really in my heart. Notice, if you will, Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, the Bible says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance, temperance patience, and patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. 
For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. When I show partiality, what's being really revealed in my heart and what I'm really showing people is who I really am and how I'm treating other individuals. This respect of persons here that he talks about, I'm to be the kind of person that says, I really believe that God loves all people. But if I don't have that, I lack brotherly kindness. Notice what James says, partiality really in and of itself is this fight within me saying, listen, I know I'm a Christian, and the Bible tells me that God loves all people, but then there's this flesh side that says, well, yeah, there's... God loves all people, but there's this kind of unspoken ranking system of, of the really important people and the really kind of unimportant people. And partiality within myself denies this idea of brotherly kindness. It denies this idea of loving my neighbor as myself. That I begin to look at other individuals and begin to say certain people are more important than I am. And I've forgotten really what James is telling me. I've forgotten who I am and where I've come from. To be partial is to look at other people and say, I'm better than you. I'm more important than you. And you're less important than I am. And what that says, and it screams out in revealing my heart, is that I've forgotten how deep of debt I was into God and how vile of a sinner I really was. The truth is, I'm guilty before God and my sin is as vile to him as any sin that could be committed. But I began to clean it up and try to say, well, I wasn't that bad and it's not that horrible. No, it was. And for me to look at another human being and to be partial towards them, to reject them because they don't meet my standard, that's the ultimate hypocrisy in me. I'm becoming this person that lacks that brotherly kindness, that lacks a true love for my fellow man. How can I say that I am a follower of Jesus Christ? How can I claim to have the faith of Christ when I lack brotherly kindness, knowing that He came to lay down His life for me, and I'm going to treat someone else with contempt because I think I'm better than them? There's a massive problem with that idea. Notice in Romans chapter 2 and verse 16, the Bible says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. What I've done is I've taken, when I become partial and a respecter of persons, I've taken myself and I've placed myself in the throne of God to where I get to be other people's judge. And I began to determine who is and who isn't worthy. And James is saying, listen, there's a major problem with your Christianity, with the way you're trying to serve God, if you're trying to be this person that says, I get to determine who's worthy and who's not worthy. I get to determine who, who's a good candidate for the gospel, who I ought to spend time with in the church, and all these, and I begin to rank people. God says, there's a problem with your faith. Your heart isn't right. You lack brotherly kindness and you've lifted yourself up as a judge taking the place of God. And the problem is I'm doing it with evil thoughts, thoughts that are not consistent with the faith of Jesus. Secondly, when I begin to be the kind of person 
that has a respect of persons or shows this favoritism, it reveals a very weak faith in me. Not only does it reveal that there's something wrong with my heart, it reveals that my faith is weak, that it's not where it's supposed to be. Consider, if you will, Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, If then you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth. This is where my focus is to be as a Christian. The proper view, you might say, is I take up a view of the world that this is just temporary, that it's a short time, and what matters most isn't what I have to endure here, but, but how I'm preparing eternally. Having a respect of persons denies that, doesn't it? If my proper view is to keep my focus on the eternal, long-term picture, and I'm trying to be this person who is partial or has a respect of persons, aren't I denying that and saying, listen, I've got to have a piece of this power, of this money, of this fame. I've got to be kinder to people that can do something for me in the here and now because that's what's most important is having something done for me in the here and now. That's a weak faith that looks only to this world and doesn't look eternally. James is telling us, listen, there's a problem when your focus is only on what you can gain in the short term. And that's really the heart of partiality, is me having preference for people because of what I think they can do for me. Notice, if you will, what James said about that individual that came into their assembly. He said to the rich, they would say, sit here in this place of honor. Why? Because that that makes him look good. And if I make him look good, maybe he'll help me look good. But this person that can't do anything for me, I'm going to have you stand over here in the corner or sit underneath my footstool because it doesn't matter where you're at because you can't do anything for me right here and right now. That's the heart of partiality or respect of persons. And he's saying if that's who you are, if you're preferring people based off superficial outwardly appearances and based off what they can do for you in the here and now, you're revealing that your faith is very weak, that you're caught up in the here and now, and you don't have an eternal picture. Matthew chapter 6 tells us where our heart is to be when it tells us that we're to uh, invest in heaven. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt where thieves do not break through and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's the idea of how I treat people is I invest in heaven. I'm not going to give partiality and respect to persons because of something that they can do for me here because that's short-lived. That's temporary. But I'm going to spend my time investing in things that are going to help me get to heaven and help other people get to heaven. You know, the heart of this is is when I have this respect of persons, I'm validating in some small way the idea that the here and now is the most important thing. And that's simply not biblical. I can't have the faith of Jesus Christ and c- declare with my life, here and now is the most important thing. Those are inconsistent and incompatible. If I want to have the faith of Jesus, I have to declare with how I live that eternity is the most important thing to me. And the way that I'd show that is by not having partiality, but loving all men as Christ did and serving all, not being a respecter of persons. Thirdly, a respect of persons, I believe he tells us, shows or reveals in us a heart of hypocrisy. That ultimately we're being 
the world's biggest hypocrites, come back to that standard, if you will, that was set by God. Jesus loved everybody and came and served in this world and died for everybody. James now shows that as followers, we can't be like Jesus if we have this respect to persons. And he uses an illustration here of adultery and killing. He says, listen, if you do one but not the other, you're still guilty of all of it. And that's the point that I think he wants us to get driving home. This seems like such a minor element to our lives today. But when we see what James is having to say, notice it's begun to, to affect my faith. It begins to affect who I am. I'm, I become a hypocrite. Consider, if you will, what he says here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Michael, I, I've never heard that song. I appreciated you leading it through three or four times there. Because I love that song. I think that's exactly what this verse right here teaches that you just led us in. Of Be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Be holy. Be separate. Be distinct. But if I'm treating the rest of the world in hypocrisy by showing favoritism, how am I striving for that holiness in the morning, in the evening? How am I striving to be like Jesus if I'm full of hypocrisy and I look at people and say, you're more important and more valuable than this person over here? Or this person ranks about number two and and, and you rank number four. That's not the faith of Jesus. That's not biblical in any way, shape, or form. If we're honest with ourselves, it's an element that the world sees in us And runs from God because of the behavior of His people. I want to be very honest. I'm not making an excuse for people. But you and I both have heard many times someone look at a religious body. And they would say to you, the reason I don't go to church is because the church is full of hypocrites. I'm not defending them and I'm not saying they've got a valid excuse. And that's a good reason not to go to church. But I am saying that puts a little bit of responsibility on you and I to be the kind of people God called us to be, to stand out in our lives, be different. That we strive to be perfect, even as our Father in Heaven is perfect. That we don't get caught up in the here and now of this world showing partiality. Stop and and really think about what people see all day, every day from this world. They see... That it's not what you know that matters. It's who you know that matters. They tell you that's the secret to getting a job. Not how much you know or what college you graduated from, but but who you know in the field that can get you in the front door. That's more important. And it's all about respect of persons and partiality and office politics and neighborhood politics and all that stuff that's all about respective persons and if when they come to the church to God's people they see that then again I'm going to ask the question what good is Jesus doing in our lives if we're just living like the world that's why I believe James takes up this and offers this challenge to the church here to say, listen, we don't need to be the people that show partiality. We don't need to be the kind of people that show respect of persons that reveal a weak faith, that reveal a problem in our heart, that reveal this hypocrisy. We need to be a people that strive for perfection, that strive for holiness that God has called us to.
what a difference it makes and an impact on people when they see a group of people that claim to follow God that began to treat one another with the love of God from the greatest to the smallest, from the oldest to the youngest, the skin color and job career and what someone can or can't do. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is their they're children of God and they love one another they serve one another and together they love their fellow man and they serve their fellow man. Now that's the faith of Jesus Christ. And that's the faith that I, you and I need to have and what we need to remember and what we need to do as James says in verse 12, so speak and so do. Matthew 16, Jesus asked this question, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you really believe that one soul out there is worth this entire world? Just one soul. Then we need to treat every soul that we encounter as more valuable than this entire world. And we need to live our lives that way, putting value in people, not judging them, but loving them and striving to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ Remembering how great a value that soul has to God. I don't know if you noticed the beginning of the slides. The title I put on this lesson is one that I think I caught a couple of people's attention anyway. It's what I call, Don't Tell Them Jesus Loves Them. There's a song I heard many years ago by that title. And it caught my attention as well. Don't Tell Them Jesus Loves Them. And it's a song about... The rundown, the brokenhearted, the used and the abused of this life, the people that we would think, or that society would think, are, are the throwaways in this world. And the song talks about them, and the course comes along, and it says, Don't tell those people that Jesus loves them until you're ready to love them too. Now, I don't know whether that's a biblical argument that I want to make or not, but I think it makes a, a very poignant point. That for me to run around and tell people, Jesus loves you, but I'm going to treat you like garbage, and I'm going to rank you, and the importance in my life screams of a weak faith, screams of a heart that's not right with God, it screams of hypocrisy, and it doesn't help the cause of Christ. I need to be the kind of person that loves and values the souls of men. That sees the value and the importance of every single person, regardless of where they're at. That I have the faith of Jesus Christ. Not faith in Jesus, but the faith of Jesus. Valuing people the way God valued me. The lesson's yours this afternoon. I hope it's been beneficial to you. hope that it'll cause you to stop and think a little bit about some of these things. As we said in the beginning, seen there in the book of Galatians, I think this is a challenge for every person. It's something that at any time any of us can get caught up in, even as Barnabas, the son of encouragement, found himself caught up and carried away in the middle of that. And certainly that ought to stand as a warning for all of us that at any point we can get caught up and carried away with that, that we instead challenge ourselves constantly to ensure that we have the faith of Jesus without partiality. Before we close the assembly, we want to once again offer an invitation. If you have a spiritual need this afternoon that Christ Jesus can help with, we stand ready to help take that need to our Lord and Savior. 
simply ask you to make that need known by having a seat in the front row as we stand now to sing this song of invitation.